All creation began with a dream. A dream in the mind of God, and God spoke that dream into the void, and creation came into existence. God dreamed of suns and moons, palm trees and blueberry bushes, duck-billed platypuses and, and kangaroos, and you and me and Ron Routh and all the other billions of people in this world. God is the ultimate dreamer. In high school, my class took a science trip to Walt Disney World. And yes, it was more fun than science-y, but, but we had to kind of play into that science kind of notion. And so we, we did a behind-the-scenes tour at Walt Disney World. We saw the, we, 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 we met with the uh, people who did a lot of the work. They uh, told us how they made the ghosts in the haunted mansion. I won't reveal the secrets. You'll have to go on your own private tour. We saw what Space Mountain looks like with the lights on. And we got to meet some of Disney's Imagineers. Now that's the term Walt Disney himself came up for, for these artists, these engineers and designers who make these environments in the Disney parks come to life. They are given free reign to dream up anything and everything, to create these imaginative worlds out of nothing. And they're allowed to make mistakes, to try new things out, to experiment, to fail. Their job is to imagine something new and then create it. And because of the creativity of these Imagineers, whole worlds have been created. Movies have come to life. Dreams have become destinations. Now, one of the famous Imagineers was Bucky Fuller. Bucky imagined and created that golf ball-sized dome in Epcot Center called Spaceship Earth. And Fuller popularized what has become known in the world of architecture as design science. See, he, he saw this thing that happens with scientists where they'll have this, this theory. They'll just think of something that is happening in the world but qu not quite understand how it is. And so they'll test and they'll work to prove the theory. But the theory, the dream comes first and then they'll figure it out afterwards. And he said, well, why can't we do that with design? Instead of working within the realms of the tools we have and the world we already know, just dream up something you want to see created and then wait for the world to catch up. And so we dreamed of these domes. He built them in lots of places, but Epcot Center's the one we remember the most. And when he dreamt it, he didn't know how to do it. In fact, it wasn't even possible when he dreamt up that spaceship Earth. But soon, technology caught up to his vision. They created the tools to make it happen, the science to make it possible. And the dream became a reality, a whole Earth created out of nothing. So what if? What if God is that ultimate imagineer? What if God has dreamt of a world, a world that may not yet be possible, a world still in formation, still being created, the weeks of creation going on and on even until today? And what if we are employed as God's team of Imagineers, the ones charged with making this dream a reality? What if God is not just the ultimate visionary, but also that ultimate risk taker, risking it all, even to become human, if that's what it would take, in order to expand our imagination of what the world could become? Now, Luke's gospel today, 
uh, Jesus gives us a glimpse into God's dream for our worlds. The text begins by telling us that Jesus had just left the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil, where he was challenged to doubt the dream and doubt his own calling for his life. But Jesus emerged from the wilderness and he goes home. He's preaching on this occasion, the first time in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. Imagine a college kid showing up after four years in college. He's grown up, but but you still kind of remember who he used to be. And there's shadows of who he used to be, but he's somebody different now. They had expectations for him. Some of them he lived out and some of them he hasn't. And Jesus stands up in front of that hometown crowd, mom and dad, auntie and uncle, Sabbath school teachers, the neighbors, the kids that he grew up with and went to school with. He stands up before them all and Jesus preaches. He preaches. You can imagine they're so proud of little Jesus. Look at what little Jesus has become. Some of the dear old women in the back who saw him grow up probably just want to jump up and just pinch his little dear cheeks like they used to when he was a baby. And then Jesus keeps preaching. He gets to dreaming. The spirit of the Lord is on me, he declares. Because he's anointed me, the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And and everyone in the crowd knows that text. It's part of their regular lectionary. It's read on that Sabbath every year. But Jesus reads it. He's quoting the prophet of Isaiah. And it is as if he's saying these words were about him. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of the sight to the blind. They're getting a little uncomfortable. This is odd, Jesus. What happened to you at school? These ideas you have to oppress, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he takes the scroll. He rolls it back up, puts it in the cabinet where they kept the Holy Scrolls. He sits down as preachers did back then. Maybe we should reincorporate that tradition. He sits down. Relaxes and from that position of authority says this audacious claim today, he says to the hometown crowd, mom and dad, aunt and uncle. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And he goes on to paint God's dream. We didn't read the rest of the sermon, but you can keep reading in chapter four. In the words that follow, Jesus reminds them of these two old stories, stories they learned in Sabbath school. One of the prophet Elijah, who ministered to a widow in Zarephath, and the other of Elijah's protege, the one who followed him, Elisha, who cleansed Naaman the Syrian from leprosy. Now, those stories, they sound sweet and harmless, a a poor, hungry old widow getting food when she was about to die, a, a, a man who's, who's prominent in his community being stricken with leprosy and being healed miraculously. But the stories in Jesus' time had an edge and they all knew it. What was Jesus thinking bringing this up on this Sabbath, the people thought? Because in these stories, see, God helps foreigners. To drive the point home further, Jesus preaches right there to auntie and uncle. He tells his old Sabbath school teacher that there were plenty of old starving women in Israel in those days. And there was a lot of people with leprosy in Israel. But God sent Elijah to the woman in Zarephath, who was not an Israelite. And God sent Elisha to a Syrian And Jesus, right there in his home, began showing the people God's dream, which was bigger than they had thought. 
that God's dream is bigger than one nation. But God had this dream from the very beginning for all creation, for the entire human race that he breathed into existence. And perhaps it doesn't even need to be said that the response to Jesus' sermon wasn't that great. They didn't want to pinch his cheeks afterwards as the story is told. In fact, those sweet old women from his childhood ran him out of that synagogue, that place that taught him his faith, and they tried to throw him off a cliff. See, that's the thing about Jesus' ministry. Jesus, you read through the Gospels, he doesn't just play lip service to God's dream. He actually expects it to happen. He expects for them, and I think for us, to expand our own vision, to dream God's dream with him for ourselves and for our world, but not just to sit and dream, but to go out and to do what it takes to make it happen. When we dream God's dream with Jesus, it challenges us. We find ourselves in new territory, serving people we never talked to before, loving people we thought unlovable, forgiving actions done to us, experimenting, risk-taking, taking steps into the unknown, trying something new that we'd never dream we would ever do. But that's how it is with dreaming. Dreaming isn't about the world as it is. Dreaming is about the world as it should be, the world that is becoming. Dreaming sees the canvas, this world, our church, our own lives, and imagines what could be painted upon that blank canvas. Dreaming dreaming sees the lump of clay and imagines the pot. Dreaming sees keys on a piano and imagines a song. Dreaming sees life and imagines reconciliation. Dreaming sees a church and imagines renewal. Dreaming Dreaming and imagining, this, I think, is what God's spirit looks like. When God's spirit is alive within us, imagination is set set loose. But we can't just dream. Dreaming imagines the world then like those Imagineers at Disney World who dream up things that aren't even possible. We go out and we create the tools to make it so. So Jesus, he's imagined a world for us in the gospel, a world where captives are released, where sight is recovered, oppressed are set free. How is this going to happen? Good news, preached to the poor. Jesus imagines it, but then we keep reading the gospel and he goes out and he does it. He makes it happen. Every story in the rest of the gospel plays according to this script, this dream where over and over again, Jesus does the things he says is being done in their presence that day. And then you flip to the book of Acts, written by the same person who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And the same thing that Jesus did in Luke, the early church begins doing. Living out God's dream as they heal the sick, release the captives. All living this dream of God in this new Christian community. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, we're told, comes upon the disciples and sets loose This fire of creativity that we call the church. Church is God's medium. We are God's paintbrushes. We are that lump of clay. We are the tools through which God has dreamt up to achieve that dream in this world. And your own creativity, that is God's gift to the world. And I'm talking about those of you who have artistic creativity, but I'm also talking about so much more. I'm talking about the guy in our church who drove around on Wednesday after the big snowstorm. I guess he was bored, looking for driveways to plow. Why? Because he could. 
That's dreaming God's dream. I'm talking about the woman who volunteered to paint this canvas, our image for this sermon series, so that we could have an artistic visual of what we're talking about. That is dreaming God's dream. I'm talking about the youth group member who's dreaming of a service project to the poor in our community as a way to earn his Eagle Scout badge, creating something that doesn't yet exist. That's dreaming God's dream. I'm talking about you and me finding that, that, that sweet spot within us that what church calls our calling, that thing that we do well that brings light and love and goodness into the world, small or big, however we can serve, that thing that is true to who we are when we know we are living out who God called us to be. What is that for you? What is your calling? What can you dream? What world do you envision? And can you hear God calling you to join with God to make it happen? In so many ways, we are the hands of God bringing goodness into the world. God's spirit flowing through our fingers, becoming alive through our actions. God's love being made known when we love. And whether you know it or not, whether you admit it or not, let me tell you the good news or not, you are creative. You've got something within you to share. After all, God created you. And God created you in God's image. That's what scripture says. From the very beginning, humanity was created in God's image. The great creator created you to create. The great imagineer imagined you so that you could imagine with God this world that God is creating. So how will we create goodness. How will you bring that vision to life? Every time you do, every time we live into our calling, it can be said of us as it was said of Jesus that day, that through that in our life, through our actions, as we live out our calling, that great dream of God is being fulfilled in our hearing, right here, right now. The very words, the very dreams of God being made alive. May it be so. May scripture be fulfilled by us. Amen. Amen. And let us sing number 658 about our restless weaver. Verses 1 and 2.